Welcome to Walk the Tech Talk, a podcast with host Anna Frazetto, Chief Digital Technology Officer and President of Technology Solutions at Harvey Nash, a global professional services company. On Walk the Tech Talk, Anna interviews technology leaders from across the globe and discusses how and where they are making big impacts on their industries. On this episode of Walk the Tech Talk, Anna interviews the accomplished Erica Jefferson, president and founder of BeWise and midterm coordinator of refining supply and optimization at BP. Erica and Anna discuss her early interest in chemistry, her ongoing passion for diversity in STEM that led her to start the BeWise organization, and why spending a lot of time in hard hats and steel-toed boots has given her a great understanding of how things get made. Join Anna and learn from the strategies and accomplishments of this episode's Tech Trailblazer. Hello and welcome to Walk the Tech Talk. I'm here and ready to blow you all away with another tremendously accomplished and inspiring guest, the one and only Erica Jefferson. I was fortunate to meet Erica on an ARA Women in Tech panel in Dallas, but others of you may know her as the president of BeWise. BeWise stands for Black Women in Science and Engineering, and it's an organization focused on bridging the leadership gap for Black women in STEM, which I I love the name. I love that mission. And I love that I get to welcome you here today to talk about BeWise and also your own fascinating STEM career as a leader of product development, manufacturing operations, supply chain management across the oil and gas industry, which is not an easy industry to navigate through. So welcome, Erica. It's so great to have you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to join you today. So if it's okay with you, I would love to start by talking about how you yourself became a black woman in science and engineering. What was it in childhood and as a student that led you to study chemistry and chemical engineering out of all the subjects out there? Who or what events influenced you on your personal path into STEM? Well, growing up in Chicago, I had a profound interest in chemistry and you know, as a as a student uh, during those times, you didn't get a chance to see that many people that looked like you doing uh, a lot of technical roles. So I was fortunate enough to be a part of an organization called Inroads and got an opportunity to, to talk to someone who was actually a chemical engineer. And they, they mentioned that, you know, chemistry is fine, but the application of chemistry, which is what chemical engineering is, um, may give you a longer runway and, and more opportunities for a, a career and also higher paid. So uh, that started my interest in chemical engineering. I majored in that in, in college. And right out of school, I started working in manufacturing, which I think was a good opportunity for a young engineer to, to get their feet wet and just learned as much as I could. Uh, spent a lot of time in hard hats and steel toe boots, which I took throughout my career as understanding of how things really get made. And was just fortunate to have a lot of different career opportunities, especially in oil and gas, as you mentioned. Um, still struggling to become more diverse. So I was very fortunate to have a lot of great roles in manufacturing and sales and business development working in the oil and gas industry. So it's been a, a interesting and I guess growth oriented career path and it's led me to where I am as a founder of BY. 
That's great. I mean, talk about paving the way. Now, you've had an amazing career across the oil and gas industry, as we were just talking about. That includes becoming a Six Sigma black belt and earning your MBA in global business from Georgia Tech. So clearly, you don't stop, which I absolutely love. And I think it's a great message to all the youth out there. Now, how has the balance of business knowledge and expertise shaped you as a STEM professional? I think everything, whether I knew it or not at the time, built upon the previous experience that I gained. So my experience working in manufacturing, sales and business development certainly helped me in my Six Sigma career. And for those of you not familiar, Six Sigma is really process improvement. So looking at things and determining, A, is there a better way to do things or solving a problem regarding product quality. So the things that I've done prior to that really helped me with that. I was fortunate during my time as a Six Sigma Black Belt to be able to go back and get my MBA at Georgia Tech through my employer and to be able to apply the principles that I was learning in that two-year program right to my job was, was tremendous. And so I say that I think all of those shaped, you know, who I ended up being in order to found this organization. So it really is a full circle moment, even back to high school uh, when I had an interest in chemistry and a variety of other things, being able to bring all those together and, and lead this organization has been great for me. Hopefully it's been great for the ladies who are part of our family. No, that that's wonderful, Erica. You know, and you hit on a really key point as far as, you know, you, your passion starting, you know, back in high school when you were in school. And one of the things that often uh, we talk about on this show is the importance that you need to kind of build that foundation early. It needs to start when, when kids are in grade school uh, to be able to build that confidence and build uh, that knowledge and see if there's an interest to kind of get into the STEM arena. So at this point, I'd love to talk more about Be Wise. When was it founded and what was the impetus behind you building this dynamic nonprofit and what exciting things are you and the Be Wise organization up to? So living here in Houston in 2015, I kept running into women in engineering. Houston is a huge engineering town who weren't quite satisfied with where they were in their careers. And at that time, I had started just kind of on the side, an uh, organization for people who were new to Houston. So I'd already kind of started organizing events. And after talking to these ladies, I thought, wow, there's really something here that so many women, certainly in that part, mid part of their career, who just weren't satisfied with you know, where they were, where they were going. So in 2015, I formally created the organization and really, you know, didn't know as an engineer, didn't know much about running organizations of that size and was just learning as I, I was going. I was fortunate enough to be invited to an event hosted by the White House in 2015 called the United State of Women. And that was really my first exposure nationally. And so at that event, I was fortunate enough to meet a young lady who lived in D.C. and worked for one of the federal agencies and expressed an uh, interest in what I was doing. And she said, well, can you tell me more about your organization? I'd be interested in starting a chapter here in D.C. And, you know, that was the farthest thing from my mind. I wasn't prepared to start chapters. I was just really getting my feet wet in Houston with running this organization. And it dawned on me that perhaps, you know, what I'd uncovered or quote unquote, uncovered, was more widespread than I thought. I'd had a fairly successful career, I thought, 
uh, some ups and some downs, but I did not know that that was pretty commonplace among women of color in, in science and engineering, and I'm sure women in general in the STEM field. And so she was uh, the impetus to, to go nationwide. And so in 2016, we launched our DC chapter, and she led for the entire year efforts around the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And between the two of us, we built the brands and got people to know about what we were doing because primarily so much of the efforts around equity, diversity, and inclusion in the STEM field is focused on children. And I think part of the reason is the belief that we know we can't change what we have right now, so let's make sure we get the next generation to be successful, which is a good idea, but it leaves out the millions of us who are currently working in these fields. So, you know, that opened my eyes to say maybe we should expand not just because our original focus was on primarily engineers, traditional engineers, but into women in technology as well. And, you know, from there, it just grew organically beyond what I could imagine. I tell people that I'm a reluctant entrepreneur. I did not have any aspirations for entrepreneurship. And the organization just kept growing and people just kept finding us on the internet and reaching out and asking for us to participate and do wonderful things like we're doing today with you and could not have imagined five years ago when we started the growth that we've had. So from 2015, we've grown from a handful of folks here in Houston to about 1,400 ladies around really the globe because we do have some international members, primarily online. And so from that, I also have a large network of followers on some of the social media platforms, and that's just allowed me to have a, a platform to talk about these things that affect so many women in STEM and other technical fields to give them a voice to, to share that there are some issues that if we don't address them for this current generation that's working, will persist for the young girls that we're training to go into these fields. So five years seems to have gone by in a blink of an eye, and I'm always so happy when I connect with folks who I have connected with virtually but not in person, and they say how beneficial BeWise has been to them in their career in just five years. So that's that's wonderful. I think I get, get back as much as I give for the, the community. So it's been great. That, that is so impressive. I mean, if you think about it, that's astronomical growth in five years, uh, really, and all organic, right? Because you, you've yeah. been kind of growing, uh, you know, a little bit each year, and to get to 1,400 is amazing. So we've seen a huge diversity and inclusion push in recent years, and the rise of organizations like BeWise, who are working to help us reshape the makeup of STEM industries, is, is tremendous. What else would you say we should be doing to improve workplaces and opportunities for women and minorities? There's so many wonderful organizations out there that are doing incredible things, but, you know, like BeWise, uh, it's an uphill battle. I've talked to other leaders of other initiatives and other organizations and just trying to convince industry, government, academia um, not to take this challenge on in-house. You know, if you work for Apple, your business is in technology and iPads and things like that. Your business focus is not in creating diverse workforces. Despite the fact that you may have HR folks and consultants, that's not your bread and butter. That's not what they do day in and day out. And just trying to expose organizations to the talent that's out there. I, I quote the National Science Foundation numbers all the time that 25,000 black women get 
degrees in science and engineering every year. And over the course of 30 years, that's three-quarters of a million. But yet the workforce is probably less diverse now than it was when I started my career. And so something's happening. You know, for those those women that are going into these fields, they're not staying and they're not being promoted. I spend a lot of time looking at, you know, what companies look like. And we're still seeing a lot of women just who, who choose to stay the track of engineering or science. They're not making it to leadership positions. They're not starting businesses, which is another area of focus for BYs. And so working with organizations to expose their leaders to offer services and additional training for folks who could certainly step into these roles with a little bit more education. And so being able to be a resource, I think, has been a focus for us that we want to offer to industry, government, and academia to tell them that this is something that you'd have to spend many years working on. This is not just a portion of what you do. And so the best way to do that is to work with organizations like BYs and others out there that are are doing this this work. So um, I think it's doable. I think there's plenty of opportunities. We have some wonderful partners that support what we do who come and look for talent because I always say there's there's no war for talent when you have people who are looking for opportunities and they're not getting those op- their chances to connect with organizations. So continuing to be both a resource to our members and also our corporate partners, um, I think will help with that and also just enlighten folks uh, that the talent is there. So one of the things I think is, is going to be a real impact is you know, the response to the coronavirus. So if you've seen in the news, there have been so many large conferences that have been canceled just out of, you know, fear of folks getting sick and just to be really safe. And so some of those events are hiring events for, for diverse technical folks. So if those annual events are canceled, what is that going to do to their numbers and their ability to attract that demographic. You know, they're not probably going to be able to reschedule something for the year, but you still got, you know, requirements and metrics to report to leadership. So hopefully we can work with some of the organizations that are experiencing that and make sure that they're still on track to to reach demographics that they are trying to reach. Erica, that's so inspiring. And also, I have to say, I think you hit such a salient point when you talk about, you know, companies focusing on what their core competency is, like you mentioned Apple as an example. And I think that's so relevant because I actually just recently had a conversation with the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and his perspective was there needs to be more communities that you can tap into to create the diversity that we need within our organization because we're just not doing it. Uh, So obviously I'm not going to mention the company name, but, but that's an example of that I think that there is going to be a demand for communities like this, like BeWise, where you can tap into phenomenal talent and it helps you as an organization to have a more well-rounded, you know, group of employees, right? The better, better balance because I'm still a firm believer. And I think, you know, we even spoke about this when we did our panel, Erica, is that I believe the best and the most efficient 
efficient and productive teams are the ones that are the most diverse because you really do kind of get a great balance by mixing all of the different, you know, talents out there and also all the different, you know, cultural backgrounds. So now both you and I uh, in our STEM careers get to engage in the global marketplace, which is very exciting. I myself have loved my work across Southeast Asia and especially Vietnam, uh, where there's a strong focus on reducing the gender gap. Uh, They're seeing success. The country has 71% female workforce participation and 25% of its CEOs are women, which is amazing and a lesson that we can learn from them. What has your work with other regions and cultures shown you about the different ways we can work on, on fixing inequalities on the job? You know, Vietnam is a great example. Uh, I haven't been in about 10 years. It seems weird that 10 years has gone by, but you're right. Uh, in a very young workforce uh, when I was there, and I think they're looking at the needs of folks to work in these technical fields and saying we have to have people who are capable to do that. We're not going to limit ourselves by only focusing on one or 50% of the population. Uh, So they've made great strides. Uh, When I was in uh, Brazil several years ago, it's probably the opposite. We're still (laughs) serving coffee. I'm still seeing young women serve coffee to the male engineers in a room. You know, it's probably 12 by 12 full of male engineers and no female engineers. So I think there's certainly some cultures around the country that there's a lot of opportunity and exposure, I think, is the best remedy to that. Letting them know what other cultures are doing that's working, that's successful, um, especially in this new technological age. How do you ensure that you have enough talent to accomplish the the goals that you're trying to achieve in the workforce is really changing. So making sure that you have the talent, whether it's male or female, is going to be critical in the next, I'd say, 10 to 20 years. So some of the things that we do is really important in getting women on panels at technical conferences. That, I think, is critical. I've shared with some folks that I believe that is some of the reason why there is this pervasive myth that it's a pipeline problem, that we do not have qualified talent in other demographics. We do not have qualified women engineers or technical leaders or people of color, and that's, I think, because they do not see them at these technical conferences. Um, I know myself, when I go, I am probably the one, certainly brown face, and one of very few women that attend these conferences and certainly are speaking on panels. So that's something that we're actively working on, reaching out to event organizers. Of course, the coronavirus is soon to change a lot of this, but making sure that people have the opportunity to be exposed to a variety of, of technical people who can share their knowledge as well. I'm working on an event in hopefully the next couple months in Houston, focused on the oil and gas industry, and I am working hard to ensure that they have women of color on these technical panels so that people can see we know things. You know, there's not limited to one demographic that is an expert in these very technical fields. So I think that's going to be key is getting people exposed to opportunities to speak and contribute on a wider, wider stage. No, excellent. Thank you, Erica. I would love to end by asking you this. What is your favorite advice to give students and women who are considering pursuing careers in STEM fields? I get that question a lot. And (laughs) I would say to combine your interest and passion with something in technology, you know, whether it's something in the creative field or if you're really a truly technical person, make sure that it has a technical 
component to it. And I, I like to share the story of a, a, a gentleman I heard about who was a actuary scientist who, was a, as a boy, loved movies but became an actuary scientist and was able to turn that interest and that educational background into a career working in Hollywood, ensuring the movies. So if we all could be so lucky to combine what we're naturally gifted with, what we're passionate about, into something that serves the, the world with an, a technology background, I think you just can't lose. Be able to do what you love and still be successful and earn a great living at it. No, I know, and and that's so key. Actually, I just re- was recently listening to a podcast uh, with uh, that that Oprah has, and one of the comments that she says, the only person that gets in the way of you accomplishing your dreams is yourself, because that. you you talk yourself out of it. So. Um, with that note, unfortunately, we have to conclude our uh, talk today, Erica. Thank you so much. I know the audience is going to want to reach out to you because there's so many valuable nuggets that you shared. What's the best way to contact you? I would say the best way is certainly reach out to me by email. That's Erica, E-R-I-K-A at B-Y-S, B-W-I-S-E. USA.org. You can always find me on the internet. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. And I am also on LinkedIn. And of course, our website, www.bwiseusa.org. Excellent. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walk the Tech Talk. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with Walk the Tech Talk, please subscribe by heading over to your iTunes app. While you're there, please rate the podcast and let us know what you like the most about it in the review section. Thank you and happy listening.